the biggest issue I think I think I had in starting my career was was my age. You know, how could at the time a 22 year old speak about work and the future of work if he's never had a job? Welcome to Mike Drop, the podcast for professional speakers. We cover the ins and outs of the business, helping you deliver more impact on bigger stages at higher fees. You'll gain an inside edge through intimate conversations with the world's most successful keynote speakers. Mic Drop is brought to you by eSpeakers. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Get ready for some inspiring Mic Drop moments together. Today's show is sponsored by Three Ring Circus, the industry's top training and development program for professional speakers. They've helped hundreds of speakers launch or scale their speaking business, earning tens of millions in speaking fees, landing bureau representation, securing book deals, and rising to the top of the field. If you're looking to take your speaking business to the next level, they'll simply help you get there faster. To learn more and schedule a free 30-minute consultation, visit 3ringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. That's three, the number three, ringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. Mic drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. If you want more audiences and organizations to be moved and changed by your message, you owe it to yourself to find out why thousands of top experts use eSpeakers to manage and grow their business. When you use eSpeakers, you'll feel confident about your business, package yourself up for success, and be able to focus on what matters most to you and your business. For more information and a free 30-day trial, visit eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. That's eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. On today's show, I sit down with Eric Termonde, one of the fastest growing young speakers who has rocketed to incredible success and is still getting warmed up. He's the best-selling author of Rethink Work and is an expert in the future of teams and the future of work. In our conversation today, Eric shares his views on how playing the long game has significantly boosted his short game. What's the net positive gain that COVID will have on the speaking industry over the long term? How one-degree shifts can help remove friction and drive exceptional momentum. The practice ritual he learned from Kobe Bryant. And the one question he asks every client before giving a keynote. On today's episode, get ready to hang with this whip-smart, humble, hard-working, and all-around cool dude. Welcome to Mike Drop, my good friend, Eric Termonde. Hey, Josh. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. So you, I've, I've been such a fan of yours for a long time. You are a, a speaker that is young, but super hungry, super passionate, committed to the long term. I, I, in my opinion, you're, you're really doing everything right and are going to continue to thrive. Um, but take us back. When, when was it that you said, this is the right job for me? When did you decide, even before you booked all the dates that you're doing now, that you were going to be a professional speaker? The honest answer is I kind of tripped and fell into it. When I look sort of back at the years that I've put into this business, I realized that I really love 
the aspect of performance. I know I'm speaking to a jazz guitar player uh, himself, but I, I don't have quite the finesse or quite the smooth fingers and picking that you might. Um, so guitar playing was never really going to get me there. Uh, my voice a little bit flat if I'm trying to hit those high notes. Uh, my magic tricks, maybe I don't have the dexterity, something along those lines just didn't allow me to perform and be on stage. I started my company probably about seven years ago now, and we built a tool that quantified workplace culture. And our goal was to help organizations attract and retain top talent. And when we started to conduct some of these, uh, some of this research and, and get some of these surveys back, we got some really interesting findings that we started to present to our clients, to AGMs, to maybe industry associations, to chambers of commerce and, and economic development groups. And I'm thinking, wow. First of all, this is some pretty impactful information that can make a huge difference to the organizations that we're working with. And second, I love this 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 art form, the ability to, to perform, this ability to have immediate feedback and have to be laser focused while on the stage. And then also the creative elements behind the scenes, too, that not many people get to see when you're on there on the, on the stage for 60 minutes. So the long story short is it, it came through the consulting business that we built uh, in the early 2010s. And uh, I've just been loving it ever since. And so you gave your first professional paid speech approximately when? What, 2015 or 16 or something like yeah, that? Probably, yeah, probably, yeah. Okay, well, it's remarkable because it's like, whatever, five years or so into it. And this year, how many dates are you going to do? Probably 75. 75 maybe 80. dates. Which, yeah. Maybe 80. I love it. <laughs> which is remarkable. Now, keep in mind, this is someone who's, you know, five years is not, you know, 30 years. And you are in the middle of COVID, which is means that a lot of events aren't happening. So for you to get 75 or 80 events in this cha these really challenging times is just re remarkable. So what do you think it is now that you, that's getting so much momentum? What, what do you think has, has flipped the switch for you that's creating so much demand? Uh, a, a few things out of my control. I agree, especially in the first months of COVID, uh, you know, our industry was, was effectively decimated like, like many were. Uh, now, though, um, tomorrow I've got two virtual events, one in Philadelphia and one in Toronto. The day after, I've got two more virtual events, one in Winnipeg up in Canada and another in Austin. So the ability to have this virtual stage that we didn't have in the past is, is a huge opportunity. But, but I think what you're more looking for, what are the aspects and what are the skills that have been that have sort of learned along? the way. Um, a few of them came from, well, ultimately your, your boot camp, and that's the ability, the three ring circus, by the way, just in case anyone's listening, um, is the ability to tell a great story, you know, to have a start, a middle and an end, to have people hooked, is to use multiple senses to make sure people can feel the keynote, they can think about the keynote, they can be concerned or fearful at some point in the keynote. Trying to use examples from all around the world, uh, not just, you know, if I'm in Philadelphia tomorrow, um, not just to use an example about the Eagles or the Flyers or whatever it may be, but to talk about maybe the region or the state, to talk about maybe Europe or something international. So that if I'm trying to get this point across, if I'm trying to want, say, say one thing, use as many different ways, as many different art forms and as many different examples to make it come true. All that to say, though, what I think has been most sort of prominent over the past years is that I really needed to establish my lane. So I'm, I'm a future of work speaker. And for anyone who's listening, you're probably wondering what most people thought when I was starting my speaking career. Well, well, what does that mean? You can talk about cybersecurity if you're talking about the future of work. You can talk about leadership. You can talk about where people are working when it comes to the future of work. And, and all of those are true. They all are a part of the future of work. But what I'm trying to do Ultimately, is I'm trying to help leaders build tomorrow's greatest teams. So what are the things that we can do as leaders to attract and retain top talent, to build organizations rooted in psychological safety, belonging and transparency, and create a place or, an, or a work environment that people want to be and not feel like they have to be? 
And the ability to sort of lock into that lane through coaching, through mentorship, through investment in the craft, through the ability to tell better stories, all has helped me sort of chip away at this industry and, and, and find my place in it. So good. And one of the things I know you talk about a lot, Eric, which I really admire is this notion of taking one degree shifts where you, sure. you know, shift your, your performance, not, not massive, wild, crazy swings, little, little, one, little adjustments. What are some of the one degree shifts that you made in your speaking business over the last couple of years? Because correct me if I'm wrong, in the last couple of years, you've like quadrupled your fee. You're, you're growing your business like 500%. You're just, I mean, you're, you're in that enviable spot that I think many listeners today want to be in. What are a handful of those one degree shifts that you made to bring that to life? Yeah. I mean, look, it's every conversation I have with my mentors, with my coaches. It's every tape that I watch back and look at the presentation that I just gave. It's every conversation with the meeting planner. It's every email that I send. I think a lot of the times we're really good at setting our goals and saying, look, I want to be on 75 or 80 stages. I want to do a certain amount of dollars in revenue. I found that the most that I've learned about my speaking and the and what's ultimately allowed me to build this business to what it is today, which I'm hoping is just a fraction of what it will be in the future, is the importance of taking a bit of a pause and reflecting as to how did the audience receive that story? Did that point really land? So the one degree shifts that I'm taking, essentially, if I were to rephrase it, what I'm looking for is friction in my business. Is there friction in the marketing? Is there friction in the reel that I'm sending out? Is there friction in my stories? Is there friction in the pre-conference call? Is there friction in sort of that committee meeting and I'm not landing enough gigs? Say I'm only landing 10 or 20% of the gigs that ultimately agents across North America are proposing me in. I'm trying to find where is that friction coming from and what is the smallest change that I can make? How can I tweak that story so that next time when I'm speaking to an audience, I see a smile on people's faces rather than, than arms crossed? If I'm reflecting on the call that I had, maybe I'm uh, uh, starting the conversation with a story rather than maybe the lane that I'm speaking in. I'm just reflecting a lot to see what's working and ultimately how can I make it work even a little bit better. I love the fact that even though you're enjoying so much success, Eric, you continue to work on the craft. You continue to be a student of it. And you're one of the hardest working people I know. I met you years ago and you're like, look, I, I'm not in this for a fast, like I, I'm, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to be here 30 years later. Or like I, I'm committed to this. And, and to your credit, you really did the work where a lot of people say that, but don't do the work. What has sort of propelled you through the dark moments? Because I'm sure there's been dark moments where you didn't get a gig or it's not going fast enough or you're not, not you know, meeting your economic goals or whatever. How did you fight through those hard times that continue with the same amount of sort of vigor and focus and, and, and intensity that you have now that you're winning? <laughs> well... I mean, in the early days of being a jazz guitarist, Josh, I'm sure you probably stumbled and slipped over a few scales every once in a while. Uh, you said still do. Still do. Well, I think you probably just said the point for both of us. Then, if you're playing this, you know, um, if you're playing the long game, you have to expect there are going to be dark times and slips and stumbles along the way. And I, ultimately, that's the essence of sort of the one degree shift too. It's the, the shifts have to be made when we hit this point of friction or resistance uh, that 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 change our trajectory a little bit. You know, I, I go back to thinking of some of my sport heroes, someone like Kobe Bryant, you know, uh, who's sitting at the foul line at four o'clock in the morning, taking shot after shot after shot. I also find I find that this industry is very similar. Kobe's not sitting there at 4 a.m. on the foul line, taking shot after shot, doing the same thing over and over and over again. No, he's 
calculating, okay, what went wrong with that shot? How can I maybe adjust my elbow ever so slightly? Maybe finish the follow through a little bit different. Maybe adjust my knees or my feet a little bit different so that I can just get that shot a little bit better. See, I don't think that this industry is necessarily about habit. Habit is showing up over and over, sure. I think this industry, just like anything else, is about practice. And practice has to occur. Learning has to occur when we get something wrong or we learn something along the way. So I see these things, these misses, as, as, a, necess- as a necessity to get to where we're going next. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah, really, really well said. And, and I like that, you know, it's funny when you, like I practice music or someone practices law, it doesn't mean I've, you, you're, you've not mastered it because I suppose if you call yourself a master or something, that implies you're unwilling to learn anything new. And you, you know, despite your incredible success, have always remained open-minded and humble and wanting to make, you know, continue to improve yourself to, to put your old self out of business with, with, with a newer version. Um, hey, switching gears for a minute. So you uh, live in Vancouver, Canada, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, clean, gorgeous. I love it. My wife, Tia, loves it. We just love it. Um, but how has that presented both opportunities and challenges for you, knowing that, you know, obviously most of the dollars anyway are in the United States, although you're close by. Maybe just share for those that are less familiar with international work, um, how has that benefited you or hurt you being a Canadian resident versus in the U.S.? First of all, the door is always open uh, if you want to if you want to come up and come up and say hi. Um, but I'll also say that uh, it, it it's been kind of a non-starter uh, for me. It hasn't been... There's been no good or bad that's come from it. Admittedly, when I was first sort of crossing that 49th parallel and trying to get into the United States, the the bigger barrier there was in my head. I thought I had to be a different speaker to come speak in the United States. That was a couple hundred events ago, so it hasn't been that big of an issue. Um, What I'll say about that is I'm going to come back to answer your question and saying that the biggest issue I think I think I had in starting my career was, was my age. You know, how could at the time a 22 year old speak about work and the future of work if he's never had a job? <laughs> that's, that's, that's feedback that we often got. Um, but I also think that, and what has been proven to be true is that my perspective, my take on things because of my age was also what landed me gigs. Look, Josh, your keynote's not going to be uh, a keynote for everyone, and that's okay. And and mine's not going to be either. But we both know how big this industry is. What is it? A four billion dollar industry, two hundred fifty thousand events a year. What you taught me, or what yeah, what you've taught me over the years, is that you can't be everything to everyone. Uh, but what we can be is exactly who we need to be to the market who's going to be there for us. And if look, we're doing seventy five, eighty, maybe you're doing ninety, a hundred, one hundred and ten events a year. What's that leave? 249,910 maybe or 890 left. Um, So all that to say, geographically, that hasn't changed much. Sure, budgets might be a little bit different in different countries. There might be slight norms that are slightly different. I don't advertise that I'm Canadian. Uh, I don't hide it either. Uh, I don't advertise my age, but (laughs) if you look at my face, I can't hide that either. I'm just trying to be most authentic to who I am. You know, I'm from a small town in interior Canada. We had 20,000 people and more people will tell me I sound like I'm from a small town than I do sound like I'm from Canada. Unless I'm saying words like process or tournament or something like that, then people will point me out immediately. But, you know, honestly, if uh, if I'm being as true as I can be to who I am and dedicated to the process, things like age or uh, where we're from, uh, they're not going to matter as much when our client base is still there waiting for us. So speaking of process, you Sorry, uh, have four <laughs> keynotes in the next two days. <laughs> I have one. I have one tomorrow. I did one today. Got one Sunday. So we're both busy guys. Um, what is your process 
for preparing for your keynotes? How do you how do you prep yourself to to deliver your best? How do you customize? Maybe you just walk us through from the time you get the order to the time you know a meeting planner says yes to the time you're on stage. Walk, walk us through that that process. Process. Yeah, look, <laughs> you're killing me here. Um, I, our mutual friend Shep Hyken gave me the best question at a three ring circus event that you could possibly ask a meeting planner, and he said, "What would the, what would make this an 11 out of 10 presentation? You know, what would absolutely knock this out of the park uh, if I were to come in and deliver my 60 minutes. What we'll find is that our clients will often tell us how to build a very successful event for them. And the truth is, if your marketing is clear enough and you're telling a strong enough story, that won't really um, that won't really fall far from what you're trying to what the message you're trying to share anyways. So if you can ask the client what would make this an 11 out of 10, what you want them to feel, what you want them to do, how you want them to act after this meeting, uh, chances are that the meeting planner will tell you everything that you need to make this a very successful event. So when I'm going in to give my presentation, I'll make sure that I've got the one thing which uh, my, my coach and, and mentor and, and manager John John Reed will, will say, what's the one thing that you're trying to say? I'll make sure I've got that one thing that I'm trying to say in the customization will actually come in how I'm trying to say it or the steps we can actually make to make that one thing come true. So, you know, example, um, how do we succeed in the future of work? Well, according to everything that I've done in my research, we build incredible teams, right? And depending on the industry or the size or the profit status, or maybe the geographical region they're a part of, I might bring different examples that companies could do to build great teams. So ultimately they could thrive in the future of work, but I'll be going back to my notes just like I've got right now. Actually, you'll be happy to see. I've got my, uh, I've got my three ring circus book in front of me here, full of notes. It's, it's got my clients the next four and the next two days and they've got, they've got the recipe for success there. So I simply ask, them. I go through the notes. I tweak the, uh, the presentation accordingly and make sure that I've got a customized message that ultimately delivers the message that I'm trying to share too. Becoming a keynote speaker is an amazing profession. The top performers earn millions in annual income while driving massive impact on audiences around the world. But the quest to speaking glory can be a slow route with many obstacles that can knock even the best speakers out of the game. If you're serious about growing your speaking business, the seasoned pros at Three Rings Circus, they can help. From optimizing your marketing and business efforts, to crafting your ideal positioning, to perfecting your expertise and stage skills, Three Ring Circus is the only speaker training and development program run by current high-level speakers at the top of their field. That's why the major bureaus like Washington Speakers Bureau, Premier Speakers, Speak Inc., Executive Speakers, Harry Walker Agency, Kepler, Gotham Artists, and GDA all endorse and participate in Three Ring Circus. From interactive boot camps to one-on-one coaching, Three Ring Circus will help you reach your full potential in the speaking biz, and they'll get there faster. For a free 30-minute consultation, visit threeringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. That's threeringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. So with that in mind, I think it's a great process. I'm sure you've had some times on stage that didn't go the way you wanted, but I'm sure that there's also been some of those, well, mic drop moments. And obviously the name of the podcast here is, is Mic Drop. Uh, do you have any mic drop moments that you could share? Maybe you got a standing ovation. Maybe you just felt great. Maybe someone came up and said something to you. I mean, we're obviously going to, we've, we've talked a little bit about the challenges, but I'd love for you to share with us um, what is, you know, one of those, you know, ch- chills down your spine moments where it really was an authentic mic drop moment. 
Yeah, I mean, I could tell you one that happened uh, at the Stein Erickson Lodge in, in Park City, Utah, just a month ago. It was uh, well, it was my first full live live event back after what, what was it, sixteen months? I'd probably done seventy or eighty virtuals, and honestly, man, I was pretty nervous to get back up on the stage. Um, but you know, in, in calls with with people that were important to me and, and people in the industry, we kind of went back to the things that were most important. Share the stories that you believe in most. Share that transformation. Connect with people. Speak about things that people can relate to. Don't say uh, ten things one way. Say one thing ten. I remember you telling me that a few years ago. And uh, I shared the stories that, that that really mattered most to me and what the research said could make the most transformation for, for, for our people. And I just remember focusing not so much on say part a part b part c part d and going through like a timeline and memorizing lines and things like that i remember going going up there and giving myself permission just to have fun with this one you know just give it all you got say what you need to say um and and sort of get lost in the 60 minutes that, that i had and, and and i did and as a result of not working so hard on on the performance and and where i needed to step um, I had the audience in stitches and at the end, sure enough, standing ovation, I think four or five events came from it. Spin, spin that was just incredible. Um, and that ultimately, uh, a couple of weeks later, I, I still get, well, now I still keep getting emails from, from the clients saying and sharing the one degree shifts that they've made in their lives, personally, professionally, their business. It's just, it's an incredible thing to feel. And, and now, you know, that was a transformation and maybe a one degree shift for me too, is to, is to, is to just be able to feel what it's like to have fun up there. You know, even, even my manager, John was telling me today too, he's like, you know, you're a performer at the same time. And if you go to see your favorite band and they're focused on the chords and not focused on having fun and just letting it flow out of them, how's how fun is that going to be to watch? Right? So, so tomorrow, uh, and every day after that, it's not just about getting the message out. It's about having fun too. And, and the audience, well, in every case that I can remember has been responding very well. Love it. You mentioned your your coach and manager, John Reed, whom I know very well. He's a lovely person, great, great professional, wonderful human being uh, at Rave Speakers. Um, you, I know you work very closely with him, and he's he's not just booking dates, but he's he's really, you know, you said kind of mentored and coached you on performance and, and content and such. What what is one or two things that you've learned from John that that, that really may be surprising to you that you, you didn't think it was a certain way and, and he kind of gave you an aha moment that you ch- changed your mind? Oh my goodness. I mean, I've got years of them, but what John shares with, with me is, uh, well, he's an artist through and through, you know, that too. He's also a perfectionist. Um, he's, he's dedicated to the craft, but he's also one of the most personable guys that, that I know. He he wants nothing more than to be a a good friend of yours. And he wants not, he doesn't want you to, to give you anything other than what you want to bring and what is your most true and authentic self. Um, so on the stage, here's what it is. I always try to maybe it's because of my age and that's probably what I'm going to point my finger to just because I think it's an easy, an easy escape right now. But on the stage, I always thought that I had to be the smartest person in the room. Um, and he got me out of that. He said, don't be the smartest person in the room. Don't try to be the smartest person in the room. You'll never be the smartest person in the room. And he said that with love and respect. Uh, instead, don't pretend like you're the dumbest person in the room, but pretend like you want to connect or do actually want to connect with every person in, in the room. 
And so it's, I, I removed a lot of big vocabulary from my keynotes. I removed a lot of like complex research that didn't get my point across. And I started adding fun stories that I thought were just hilarious or that made a great point. And I started sharing more of myself too. I thought who would want to hear a personal story in this keynote? Are you kidding me? This, that's not what they're coming for. They want, they want, they want the, the academic at the front of the room or something like that. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. Not in every case. Sometimes all you want is an academic in the room. Sometimes you want an astronaut in the room. Sometimes you want a jazz guitarist at the front of the room. But those who want me at the front of the room, they want me to bring everything that I've got and everything that I've learned along the way. And I can't do that unless I'm my most complete self. And I think what John's taught me is that unless I can bring my full self to stage and only that, then I'll probably never be able to connect with the audience and get those standing ovations or mic drop moments along the way. I love that and for, for so many reasons, but one of which is that you're really focusing on connection more. And I think what one, uh, one experience that I see keynote, pe- keynote speakers get wrong is they think it's about them. Look how smart I am. Look at my body of work. Look at my awesome research. And a great keynote is not about you. It's about them. It's about your audience. And, and the notion of not only just being an instructor, like some boring college professor, but being, being really deeply emotionally connected with those, that audience and, and helping them and sharing them. It's, it's about lifting them up, not making you the, you know, the center of their universe. And, um, you know, it takes, takes a lot of humility to do that. But I think that's uh, the hallmark of a great keynote speaker and someone that can stand uh, the test of time. I would just say that, you know, often we're not the message, we're the messenger. And if we can have fun being the messenger, then it's not that we're talking at the audience, we're talking to the audience. Uh, and, and I found that there's a big, descri- there's, there's a very small distinction between the two of those, but the impact is absolutely massive. So as mentioned, you know, several times, you, you have in the last five years done what so many people want to do, not only launch, but really scale uh, an effective speaking business. And, and your momentum is just beginning. I, I'm certain that we're going to be talking about the time you did, you know, hundred and I think my record was 163 one year. I know you're going to call me on, on gig 164 of the year and give me this, you know, loving smackdown, which I'm ready for. Bring it. But um, you, so my only point is that you're, you're not you're not peaking out. You're, you're still on the ascent. But where you are right now is really admirable. And, and, and a lot of people want to do what you've done, Eric. What, what advice do you give to the speaker who was in your shoes a couple years ago that is, that is passionate about it, that's committed, that's hardworking, that's smart, that's humble, that's open-minded, but, but hasn't quite yet achieved the success that, that you have? What advice do you give to that person? Tell you a quick story. When I was, at, when I was that person, um, I, I would meet up with a friend of mine, probably four or five years my senior, who I always looked up to. And I meet up with him every six months. And uh, he, he would always ask me, and he, he baited me for two years before teaching me the lesson. He'd always ask me, when will, you, um, when will you know you've made it? And I would always give him like a laundry list of, you know, I'll have my first Fortune 500 company, or I'll have a certain revenue number, or I'll, I'll, I'll have, my, have my first American event, or whatever it might be. And then six months later, he'd ask me again. And then I'd tell him, I want 10 Fortune 500 companies, and I want a certain number of US gigs, and I want all these certain things. And, and then, you know, six months later, he'd ask me again. And I gave him this laundry list of things. And, and he, he came back and said, maybe you've already made it. I was like, hold on, wait a second. What, what are you talking about? No, I just told you the things that I need to do before I know that I've made it. He said, yeah, but six months ago, the things that you told me you needed in order to make it are the things that you've already got. I said, whoa, interesting. I never really thought about that. I remember pausing for about <laughs> what felt like 20 minutes. And it really stuck with me. And this is probably what I'd share with people that are listening right now too. Maybe where you are now is exactly where you need to be. It doesn't matter if it's in the speaking career or in the relationship that you're in or anywhere else in life. I found that if we 
really understand where we are right now, look for those friction points and continue to make those one degree shifts. Sure, we can have goals and aspirations and vision boards and we can look to achieve and learn and grow every day of our lives. I'm not saying that we should take away anything from that. But maybe where we are right now is exactly where we need to be. And as soon as we feel that and sort of take that pressure off our shoulders and know that, look, if this is what a speaking career that we went with, that we want to be a part of and we want to be in this for 30 or 40 years. <laughs> why am I so worried about trying to accomplish this huge milestone next week? No, if I'm in this for the long game, I'm exactly where I need to be. And unless I continue to learn, grow, develop, remove friction, make those one degree shifts along the way, I'm never going to make it. Forget year 30. We're not going to make it to, well, not even year three. We're probably not even going to make it to month three. It's going to dry up and we're going to be focused on all the right or all the wrong things. So I'm looking for those tension points. I'm looking for the things that aren't going wrong. I'm celebrating the things that are going right too. But man, uh, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. And uh, I'm excited uh, with where I'm going to go next. But I can't really tell you where that's going to be because I haven't found those friction points yet. And when I find it, I'll get rid of them and we'll be a little bit closer to 161. Well, I love the fact that you are committed to a process more than an outcome. You're committed to learning. You're committed to learning. Uh, to growing, you're committed to changing, look, hunting down and, and, and smoothing off friction points. And you're like, you're sort of like, okay, rather than keep setting some goal and then moving the goalpost, I'm committed to this process and the process and then trust the process that the process will yield the, the external markers that you seek. And I think that's a really smart way to look at it. Um, Eric, I, I really appreciate your time today. Again, so much respect and admiration. If people are listening today and want to learn more about you and your work and see videos and stuff, where should they go? Yeah, I mean, check out airtermoney.com. Everything's going to be there. If you want to connect with me, feel free to drop me a line uh, on, on the website there. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit too, posting a few times a week on things that I've noticed in the world of work, uh, workplace culture, talent attraction, retention. Um, yeah, feel free to drop me a line. I'm happy to carry on this conversation. If you're an aspiring speaker looking for those mic drop moments and you're looking for another friend in the industry too, drop me a line. I know people like uh, people like Josh. I mean, I, could, I couldn't even count on, on, on 15 hands how many people have helped me along the way but um it's the quick calls it's the quick check-ins hey what do you think about what advice would you give me um look i'm, I'm always asking these questions uh, it's not a burden or anything like that but if i can help anyway anyway along the way uh feel free to drop me a line and if you're really looking to invest in something like this there's there's lots of places you can go lots of people you can talk to and maybe even a boot camp or something like that that could help you uh in the three ring circus that's awesome, Eric. Thanks so much. I really love your spirit, your generous spirit, because, you know, you and I believe that there's abundance for us all and let's help each other as a community. Let's not be living on an island. Let's not do it alone. Let's do it together. And and I, I appreciate you. I, I always love getting your calls and texts with questions. And I, I love the fact that you're paying it forward as well. Um, so once again, amazing speaker, amazing human being, Eric Tremonde. Thanks so much for joining Mic Drop. Thanks, Josh. Take care. I'm sure you'll agree that we can all take away so much from our conversation with Eric. Number one, I love his idea of these one-degree shifts. Making those small adjustments that add up to massive results is such a pragmatic approach to growth and success. Number two, Eric used the word art several times, and I think this is a great reminder to us all. To not just focus on the marketing or the fee, but to never neglect the art the art of performance, the art of storytelling, the art of impact. And number three, it was cool how Eric shared that his performance went up when he stopped worrying so much, when he gave himself permission to just let loose and have some fun, to connect with his audience at a human level, not just an intellectual one. No doubt in my mind that Eric will continue to light up the world of professional speaking, 
No doubt in my mind that he'll be a Hall of Fame speaker. The only question is when he'll get there. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Mic Drop. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. If you love the show, please share with your friends. And don't forget to give us a five-star review. For show transcripts and show notes, visit micdroppodcast.com. Mic Drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Three Ring Circus. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Thanks for listening, and here's to your Mic Drop moment. <laughs>